0: on this week's episode of Gateway to the Smokies. This podcast is about America's most visited national park, the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and the surrounding towns. This area is filled with great natural beauty, a deep storied history, and rich mountain cultures that we explore with weekly episodes. I am Joseph Franklin McElroy, a man of the world, but also with deep roots in these mountains, my family has lived in the Great Smokies for over 200 years. My business is in travel, but my heart is in culture. Today's podcast is about bluegrass and band camps in the Smoky Mountains. First, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm giving I got a few upcoming events to deal with bluegrass uh, coming up this uh, in, on, in two weeks on July 17th. Is Darren Nicholson our guest today? Is uh, bluegrass band camp and concert. It's an exclusive event for aspiring musicians to learn and interact with some of the best artists in the business, culminating in an all-star concert. People who stay at the venue, which is the Metal Ark Motel in Maggie Valley, uh, can attend the the concert for free and the the camp for half price, Uh, but uh, anybody can attend and you go to metalarkmotel.com to buy tickets. Now, on a big event in Maggie Valley, also is July 23rd and and 24th, and it's the famous Hillbilly Jam. Open to public, it's 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. both days. It's a music festival with crafts and food vendors, moonshiners of the Discovery Channel, car and bike show, and more. It's only $10 per day. You're going to visit www.hillbillyjam.com. And then we have, in October, the Smoky Mountain Bluegrass Festival, October 23rd, from 11.30 to 7 p.m., it's for all the bluegrass lovers out there. The the Smoky Mountains Bluegrass Festival is a one-day outdoor festival where you can enjoy live entertainment, unique food, and juried arts and craft boots. Award-winning bluegrass band, the Balsam Range, Kruger Brothers, and unspoken traditions are all part of the talented and popular lineup. Uh, go to the, uh, go join that outdoor event. Go to MaggieValleyFestivalGrounds.com uh, uh, to find out more about this event. Uh, our sponsors is com. Imagine a place evocative of motor courts of the past, yet modern and vibrant with a chic Appalachian feel. A place for adventure and for relax and for relaxation. Imagine a place where you can fish in a mountain heritage trout stream, grill the catch on a fire, and eat accompanied by a fine wine or craft beer. Imagine a place with old-time music and world cultural sounds. There's no place like the Metal Arc Motel Mag- in Maggie Valley. It's uh, Your Smoky Mountain adventure starts with where you stay. Also, our sponsor is SmokiesAdventure.com. Information and listings about the Smokies, hiking, wedding venues, books, trail maps, resources. Uh, The emphasis is on Smokey's adventure is outdoor recreation, outdoor life events like rustic weddings and adventures, along with providing information, lodging, family entertainment, events, conventions, honeymoons, and more. It is is going to -to become the leading information portal of the Smokey Mountains. So our guest today is Darren Nicholson. He is an award-winning charter member of the legendary bluegrass and Americana group Balsam Range. And he also fronts his own Darren Nicholson band. And was also on side projects, we're also doing solo gigs and duo concerts with his wife, Jennifer. Hello, Darren. Hey, Joseph. Thanks for having me. Glad to be on today. I'm really glad to have you. Uh, it's nice to have. We had, I had Tim Surt on this uh, podcast a few, a couple of months ago, so it's good to have another member of the world famous Balsam Range on here. <laughs> Great. I'm surprised you'd have another one on if you had Tim. <laughs> he didn't wreck it for you. Uh, that's either. A, uh, yeah, I was going to say that's either a compliment <laughs> <name, all> right. or <laughs> a jive. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I want to uh, find out a little bit more about you. So you're a native of J- Jackson County, right? North Carolina. Yeah, originally from Jackson County. Uh, I
1: was raised in a little community called Tuckasegee, North Carolina. I tell people Tuckasegee is a Cherokee word that means no cell service. <laughs> but uh, my mother was from Dillsboro. My dad was from a little community called Canny Fork. Uh-huh. And so uh, it's about as rural as it gets. Cool. What did you uh, What do you remember about Jackson County growing up? Um, just... Uh, the landscape over there, I, I live in Haywood County, and of course, all of Western North Carolina is beautiful, but there's um, something magical about the the, the mountain streams, and uh, there's a lot of uh, Forest Service land, there's a lot of land that hasn't been developed in Jackson County, which I really love, and uh, because of those, you know, Western North Carolina people, it's uh, the great smoky mountains national park is, is uh, obviously we get a lot of visitors, things like that. And people are moving here, but, uh, there's still a lot of places in Jackson County that are kind of, uh, you know, off the beaten path. And, uh, I grew up uh, hunting and fishing and, and hiking over there. My dad was outdoorsman. And so a lot of camping, things like that. And I also remember uh, my whole family played music and a lot of, uh, our Saturday nights, Fridays and Saturdays, were uh, spent on either the porch making music or inside the house with a big group of people or doing benefits, cakewalks and dances and Friday and Saturday night dances. And, and, you know, people didn't get out and travel and go to theaters and go out of town to see music. You know, you basically in those rural areas growing up, you made your own entertainment and that's kind of... Been the lifeblood of this culture, you know.
0: Yeah, I, I, you know, I grew up in Haywood County, and you know that was the the way of life. You know, you, uh, you every 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 event, somebody showed up with music. You know, yeah. and uh, you know, we had a and we also had a Maggie Valley Playhouse that we'd all go yeah. to every Saturday night and do a little clogging and drink a little moonshine out back when we got a little older. <laughs> Flip out to the car uh, and have a drink, and then come back in and dance. Yeah. Exactly right. So you said you were from a musical family. I heard the rumor is that you were on stage on your when you were only 18 months old. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's right. I, my mom has a bunch of pictures and everything of, um, you know, but all, just about everybody in my family played music. And so my parents were both in the band and instead of having a babysitter, they just put me up there, you know, I'd be on stage. And I had a little plastic guitar, obviously at 18 months old, I wasn't playing but I had a little cowboy hat and a cowboy shirt, and I'd sit there with a little plastic guitar and and make tip money.
0: You know? <laughs> well, you know, if you're anything like my two-and-a-half-year-old son and daughter, i got twins, uh, you thought you were making music. <laughs> no. But people but, love it.
1: You can't follow a kid or a dog act.
0: No. <laughs> I don't care how terrible they are. People love it. Oh, yeah. They just think that's the cutest thing that ever, ever <laughs> happened. They have, they have these little, they have little plastic guitars and a little drum set and everything else. And we tell them, oh, you're great. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, so uh, cool. So um, when you started actually first paying attention to music, you know, as more than just a plastic guitar type thing, who, are you some, who were your first musical influences besides fans?
1: Well, besides family, um, the ones I really started getting into early on, um, they captured me. They're, I, I like—I really got into the old stuff, the really old music. Flat & Scruggs, the Leuven Brothers. Um, I love that harmony of the Leuven Brothers. The Osborne Brothers were a huge influence on me, and that's actually what brought me back to bluegrass. But um, I loved Merle Haggard and George Jones, even as a kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, even as a eight nine year old kid, I, I loved that really sad country music, and they were singing about very adult things and that I had no clue about. Mm-hmm. But just the sound of the steel guitars and the fiddles and and I knew I didn't really understand the words and what you know the the context of everything, but I knew it was emotional and I knew that it was powerful. And, and it was sad. The sadder, the better. And I, I don't know why I was drawn to that. Um, but a lot of people that I've talked to who really got into country and bluegrass music had that same experience, and they like sad
0: songs. And, Is there and, that, that, what do they call it, that high, lonesome sound? Yeah, the you sad know?
1: songs make me happy.
0: You're right, you know? yeah. And, <laughs> and, and there's just something
1: about that, you know, songs about life and songs about... Um, Hardship, even jo- songs about joy, songs of hope and inspiration. Uh, that's the great thing about country music is, is, uh, and when I say country music to me, that encompasses bluegrass. Yeah. They call it Americana. Now when they can't figure out which ge- genre to put it in, they kind of call it Americana, but really it's country music. And that's, uh, basically, you know, talking about life songs about life
0: mm-hmm. and, uh, when well, well, I was growing up, that was country learned, music, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that was uh, that was country music. Yeah, we had a, a show on the on the on the uh, on the Scottish uh, Scottish Irish influence on yeah. Well, the the immigrants coming in here and yeah, their influence on the you know music and it was it was that high yeah. lonesome sound and it was the it was the ballads and which are really em- exemplified by dulcimers, which you play right. Right. Yeah, I, I don't play the dulcimer, oh. but uh, but I play mandolin and guitar. Mandolin, and yeah, mandolin. That yeah, similar, yeah, very similar, no, yeah. very s- similar. So, uh, so I can I can see I can see that. Now, you you, uh, you had, uh, there was a guy, there was a musician named Steve Sutton that was a huge influence on you, right? I was re- reading yes. about that. Yeah. Yeah, Steve. Uh, Steve was from Haywood County here. He was another guy
1: who had that same musical upbringing. He started the Maggie Valley Playhouse. What you're talking about. Mm-hmm. um and uh, he's another young man that started in his teens on the Grand Ole Opry and basically took this mountain style music that we we did at dances and and barn raisings and every time there was an event, cakewalk or church or whatever, he took that music and traveled the world with it and uh, and that's that's something a lot of these western north carolina musicians have done and he got me my first job on the Grand Ole Opry when I was 18, my first real professional job. I mean, I, I made money playing music in local bands. Don't mm-hmm. get me wrong. But as far as having a professional gig in a national touring band, uh, he got me hired with a young lady named Alicia Nugent in 2004. And I was 18, maybe 19, just turned 19. And, uh, and we started playing the Grand Ole Opry. And I was doing it at least a couple of times a month. And, we did the Grand Ole Opry. We toured with Merle Haggard and went all over the United States. And we played in that band for the next three years. But until his death in 2017, we never stopped playing music together. And he was kind of like my mentor, um, not only in the music as far as learning to play music, but in the music business, um, my mentor as well. And and in life, he was just a great friend.
0: Well, see... Um was it, was he the reason you came to Haywood County or was he the, the, the uh, did you find him because of coming to Haywood County? From I found
1: him because of coming to Haywood County. Yeah. We moved to Buncombe County. My parents divorced when I was probably, I was probably in fifth grade and uh, we moved, my mom and I moved to Buncombe County, which was big in my musical story because that's where I got in the strings program. I played classical music. Um, and, and when for people who I say Buncombe County, that's Asheville. A lot of people know the Biltmore State. Um, right. And Asheville has a huge music scene Shindig on the Green, uh, Mountain Dancing and Folk Festival, which is the oldest running folk festival in the nation. So all of a sudden, I started playing with all these amazing musicians. And, and uh, that was just that opened a lot of doors for me. And then once I graduated high school, I moved to Haywood County, which is between where I was born and then where I you know, basically finish school.
0: So. Right. so did you move to Haywood County for a reason or is it, uh, just, uh, yeah, that was just what was, on, what was, it, was there a destination or was it just happenstance of life?
1: I think it was just happenstance. It was just kind of in between the two places that I, that I knew. And it just kind of made sense. I could be in Asheville in 20 minutes or I could be in Jackson County in 20 minutes. So, yeah. and, um, I was close to my son. I had a son, um, and, Um, I fell in love with Haywood County and more importantly, the people. I love the people of Haywood County. There's just a
0: a different spirit here. Yeah. So you, uh, you were in Boca you started the stream programs. Is that where you learned the mandolin? That, that came later. I
1: was fiddle and, uh, classical music. I dabbled in electric music, rock and roll, all that stuff, um, and, and I still love that music I'm, I'm working on an electric record right now That'll be out this fall But um, in, in that journey um, I, in, I, I got back to my bluegrass roots There's something about You can go around all the way around the world But it's hard to get away from the roots And uh, I ended up back in, in bluegrass And I, I got rid of the violin And, and got a mandolin
0: <laughs> when well, we come back We'll talk about uh, your your journey into uh, balsam range. Oh awesome! Thanks for having me. Sure, thing. Howdy! This is Joseph Franklin McElroy, back with the Gateway to the Smokies podcast, and my guest, Darren Nicholson of uh, Balsam Range. So, uh, Darren, you are a charter member of one of the most iconic bluegrass, Americana, and country bands in the world today, (laughs) the Grammy-nominated and Balsam Rain. So I want to stir up a little controversy because I have it on tape of what Tim said. So how did the band come about and how did you come up with your name? <laughs> um,
1: the band started in 2007. And uh, Buddy Melton and Mark Pruitt had been playing some shows in a local band, a Whitewater Bluegrass Company, some really good friends of ours. They've been uh, playing shows around here for years. The band is still going. They're still uh, doing a lot of great shows. Uh, Mark and buddy had been playing a lot of these local events around here. And, um, Tim and Mark had both played in 2006, played on a solo record that buddy Melton did. And that, and then I did one about the same time and Mark and, and Tim both played on those records. And, um, So there was that kind of connection. We'd had this, we were kind of all in, in our circles were starting to cross. I'd been traveling on the road for three years with Alicia Nugent and I hadn't really played a lot around Haywood County or home. I did this record, Buddy did one. And in early 2007, um, Buddy and Mark kind of got the idea to, uh, to maybe put me and Tim and, and all of us in the same room to jam a little bit. And and I don't know how, I'm not sure how Caleb was was called into it. I guess Buddy had known him from, from doing some, uh, some work with a gospel band uh, that Caleb had for a while. And we ended up picking in my kitchen. And uh, we did two or three uh, just kind of jam sessions. And Buddy came over one day and said, you know, Mark and I have been playing with Whitewater for a while, but um, Mark said that, you know, he's getting in probably the last, this is probably the last stage of his career because Mark's getting older and he would like to have one more really good shot at playing bluegrass at uh, not just a regional level, but, you know, a professional level. Mm-hmm. And uh, would I be interested in doing some shows with him and, I said, I, I don't know. I just came off the road, you know, I don't, and I didn't want to travel. And when the band started, the idea was to do a lot of these things around home. Um, but just do it, you know, with the band, that, kind, that caliber of band, you know, and just kind of play shows around here. And uh, next thing you know, we we had a record deal before we had a name for the band. <laughs> and uh, we had all these shows on the books and and then people were wanting us to come, play in California, play in Seattle, play in New York, play in Florida, and, and uh, we. The goal was to kind of just keep it around here and, and play in Western North Carolina, but it got out of the banks pretty quick on us, um, and that's that's a good that's a good thing you that's know. That's a good problem we, to have. Yes. We were It's not. It was nothing that we designed. It wasn't by plan. Um, it was just. It was just meant to be and uh, we didn't really have a name for a band we kicked that around for a while when we've all finally decided we were going to give this a shot and uh, and balsam range is the the range of mountains between jackson county buddy's got roots in jackson county and i'm from there and then all the rest of the guys are haywood county and so that range of mountains is called the great balsam range and we thought that would be a little pretentious, so we dropped the great part <laughs> and
0: just went with mediocre balsam range. <laughs> oh, that's good. Well, you've gained great, so that's fantastic. <laughs> so you've, uh you know, you've had some wonderful albums. Uh, that I think though that your, your your latest one is Rivers, Rains, and Runaway Trains, right? That's the latest single. It's going to be on an album, which
1: we're we, we're trying to title it right now. We, we uh-huh. during the pandemic uh we, we couldn't really play live shows but we we did go in the studio and start working on a record and uh, it'll be out in the next month or two you know it'll be out by early fall and uh, late summer early fall and uh, but that's the the second to latest release the, the newest release is called santa barbara and it okay. just went number
0: one it was number one for the month of june
1: I saw that on
0: Facebook. I forgot to put I forgot to mention that. Yeah, I just saw that on Facebook. I love that song. You had a, a, you had a nice little video with it, a sort of a cartoon video. It you is, guys are all yeah. characters. Yeah. That was kind of cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. That was really good. So uh, you yeah. know four singles, but the rest of the album's coming out. Cool. Well, I think in January Tim predicted that it would be like the live performances would be like 2020. You only had three then. Are you looking? Is it looking better now? Are you got a lot more live performances? I'm playing really
1: six, seven days a week. You know, because Balsam Range, those guys want to do between forty and fifty road dates, like really big, the bigger dates, Uh and that's that's about all they're interested in doing, and that's fine. Um, You know, that's that's what they want to do. But I'm the youngest guy in the band. I'm thirty seven. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, Mark is 70 and I'm 37 and, uh, you know, I still have this fire in my belly and I still have this interest to to play music and play a lot. Yeah, Uh, I love performing. And when I'm not performing, um, I don't know. It just, there's, it just
0: doesn't, I, Oh, this is the time for you to really get that whole, uh that whole musician experience. I mean, that's, yeah. yeah, that's the life you you chose and you, you I, I can understand that. You got to, this is my you, calling. You yeah. want to, you want to have that moment of being just enmeshed into it. I get it. It's, it's I love yeah.
1: it, you know, and I missed yeah. it in the last year. Of course, I've enjoyed being, being off because I have traveled since I was 18, 19 years old. There were some, some positives, you know, to, to, you know, being off for the last year, we got to record more and do things that we wouldn't normally take the time to do.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We were forced, um, you know, uh, to do things differently, but um, that's okay. Sometimes that's a good thing. Um, you know, I wish, you know, I, the other people hadn't have struggled like they had, you know, for us to do that. But this is, the, this, the last year has been one of those situations where Look, this. There's a lot of stuff that's out of our hands. I can either mm. focus on all the negative, or I can look at the positives of this and make the best of this. Yeah, and,
0: you know, oh, I, I get that. I mean, I, I always wanted to do podcasts, and I would have never done it without last year. And I mean, while I regret what the circumstances were, I'm doing it, and I'm loving it, especially this one. Um, so you know, you, I, you know, we hear about the band, but you know, I know, understand that you're a gifted songwriter. What are some of what
1: are, what are the song, have you written songs for Balsam Range and what are some of the favorite songs you've written? Man, I, I some of the favorite tunes I've written, um, I do, Charles Humphrey and I, he, I write more songs with him than anybody else. I've written with several other people, but Charles and I recently had one, um, called Lonesome is the Price I Pay that went number one on an all-star bluegrass session that came out of the record label over there. It's called Bluegrass at the Crossroads. Lonesome is the price I pay. Oh, and wow. it went number one in bluegrass. It was the first number one I had as a writer. I think Balsam Range has had about 43 or 44 number one songs wow. since 2007. and But I didn't write any of them. Um, I recently, I really haven't got into songwriting until the last year. I started about three years ago dabbling, and last year really started pumping them out. And uh, there's a song called All Night Long that's on the new electric record that I'm really proud of. I'm in the process of rec- recording a gospel song that Eric Gibson and I wrote together called um, Alive When I Die. And um, there's just... Depends on what mood I'm in. They're kind of like your children, you know.
0: <laughs> yeah, somebody asked me once. I actually I do a little art, and somebody asked me what is my favorite painting, and uh, and I'll say the last one, and then they'll say, "And what's the painting you think you need to to work on the most again?" And I said the last one.
1: <laughs> like picking your kids. Somebody asked me like. Uh, uh, if if you had a, a favorite child, would you would you let them know? Would you tell them? And I was like, no. Mm. I, I was like, first of all, you know, you if you have you, you can't have a favorite child. But me, because me, I treat my main son and my
0: other kids exactly the same. All right. <laughs> so balsam rings has not been your only history, right? So. uh yeah. You've done what well, you've done. What with stuff with Buncombe Turnpike and Hazel Creek, and yeah, the uh, local band. bands, yeah, yeah, and, and then you with, with all those guys, mm-hmm. and then you toured with Alicia Nugent, and you played yeah. at the Grand Ole Opry and the iconic Rhino, Rhino Auditorium. How was all that for you?
1: That was great. Uh, Alicia's from Louisiana. She's from the great state of Louisiana, and uh, um, she was. She was Purdue. I learned a lot during that stretch because her record producer was a guy named Carl Jackson. And Carl Jackson was the band leader in Glenn Campbell's band for years. He started with Jim and Jesse when he was fourteen, but he also produced and recorded Dolly Parton, Emma Lou Harris, Linda Ronstadt, um a lot of heavy hitters. Allison Krauss, James Taylor. He's recorded and produced everybody in the business. And so when uh I knew a uh, I found out that he was producing Alicia's records. I knew this was an opportunity for a, a young 19 year old kid to learn a lot about music, making records, singing. And, um, so I was just kind of like a sponge. I just kind of soaked it all up. And so those three years are, are super important to me, you know, playing the Ryman auditorium. First time I did it, 19 years old, we opened for Sam Bush, the Ryman Auditorium with Alicia Nugent Band. Went to Europe with that band. Toured with Merle Haggard with that band. Um, gosh, the crazy, all the crazy things. I'm, I'm one of those guys who, who
0: peaked early in their career. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you're still peaking. When we come back, I want, to talk, I want to find out what you think is your proudest accomplishment so far. All right? All right. Sounds good. This is Joseph Franklin McElroy, back with the gateway to the Smokies podcast, and my uh, my guest, Darren Nicholson of Balsam Range. So, Darren, you have toured with Merle Haggard, Zach Brown, George Jones, and other Hall of fame caliber musicians. You've been with Balsam Range, and have been nominated with a, for Grammys with them, you've won some International Brewgrass Association awards yourself. And you've also done things like getting the order of the Longleaf Pine Award, which is the highest North Carolina civilian award, and you're in a prestigious uh, uh, the traditional artist director of the Blue Ridge Heritage Council, and you've been inducted in the North Carolina Folk Life Institute in 2008. What is uh, that's a pretty big resume already? You're only 37. What do you? What is the proudest one so far? Oh gosh.
1: Um, man, it would be hard. I mean, I I guess the Grand Ole Opry is, is really, all those things are very important to me. Um, mm-hmm. the Grand Ole Opry kind of sticks out. Um, it's probably not as important to people now as it used to be. Um, but you know, I, I, just grew up listening to the Grand Ole Opry as a kid. You know, that was, we didn't, the, the area that we were in, you know, my parents, they weren't wealthy. We we didn't have a lot. And so we didn't have cable TV. We didn't have, um, I didn't have video games. You know, I was, I was born in 83. This, this, the technology started coming out. A lot of the kids I went to school with had video games. They're watching cable and my family didn't have that, but, but we had, um, experiences like, um, you know, we camped a lot. We went, we were out in nature a lot. But we we played music a lot, but the radio was kind of like TV and theater of the mind. And so the, you know, when uh, late on Friday and Saturday nights after we'd have a jam session at our house, you know, I would sit up with my parents and they'd tune in the Grand Ole Opry, WSM six fifty, and in Tuckasegee, North Carolina, it would come in clear as a bell, and I would hear all the great artists. George Jones, the Osborne brothers, Jim and Jesse, um, you know, Tammy Wynette, Dolly Parton, Merle Haggard, all those, you know, the greats. And uh, that impacted my life uh, probably as much and kind of shaped, you know, who I am as much as anything. But I'll be honest with you. The last year and a half being shut down um, has changed my perspective on – on all those things and, and kind of getting older and kind of learning like who and what you really are. Every show is that important to me. Every show is as important as a grand old Opry to me because, um, even shows that for years I took for granted. And if you do enough performances, whether you're in theater or music or whatever, you know, if you just do it for a hobby, it's always fun. But when you start doing something for a living, it can take the fun out of it. It can be like clocking in at the mill and you start playing five or six nights a week. And all of a sudden, sometimes you dread going to play music. The thing that you love more than anything, you're like, man, I got to, I'm wore out and I've got to pour all my energy into this again. You know, it's not like being a a clerk at a store where you can just kind of shut it off or whatever. You got to give all of yourself, all your energy. And so um, I, I would get burnout at times and, you know, then those things go away and you realize, you know, I, I'm here to play music and mm-hmm. I don't care if it's for five people in a bar in Backstreet of Haywood County, if it's for 100 people in Maggie Valley for a ticketed event or if it's for 2000 or 5000 on the Grand Ole Opry or if it's a, in a in an auditorium, they're all important to me. And uh, there are stages that are, that are nice and that make you feel good. But I, I'll just be honest with you. The older I get, every single performance is the performance of my life, you know. That's fantastic. You know, you've, um,
0: you mentioned Europe, but you've also taken Bluegrass music to places that people wouldn't normally think of it, right? You've gone to the Bahamas and Jamaica and Haiti and Australia with Mexico well, how was the, re- the reception for Bluegrass there? and you know, What, 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 what did you feel about that?
1: It's crazy. In, in 2006, I went to Australia with the great Audie Blaylock, who's coming to the Meadow Lark, uh, Lodge on July 17th. Audie um, is a professional national touring and bluegrass musician. I got to do some shows with him. And um, one of them was a, a trip to, to Australia. And we went to Harrietville, Australia. We flew into Sydney and then went to Harrietville. So I had a basically a six-hour flight to get to L.A., a 16-hour flight to get to Sydney, then a five-hour car ride to get to the festival. <laughs> that's, that's what you call passionate for bluegrass. Yeah, there you go. Got there and man they were hardcore traditional bluegrass wow they they weren't into Allison Krause and the new bluegrass bands they liked everything from the 1930s and 40s and 50s wow. when you got into the 1960s it was almost too progressive for them you know, <laughs> they loved the older mute the older the better wow. and it just goes to show you how deep these these root the roots of this music run, and they're just fanatical about it over there.
0: The I, I, I consider I consider bluegrass world music, right? Yeah, I, of course. I, you know, like you know, you got things coming, you know, folk music coming from overseas, and they talk about world music, but I think bluegrass fits well into that oh. definition of what is world music. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. A lot of the great, a lot of the
1: uh, bluegrass. Um, historical pieces like the instruments the big money instruments and the historical pieces that belong to the stars of bluegrass or the uh founding fathers of bluegrass are in japan there's this huge japanese bluegrass interest in and and they come here when we have the international bluegrass music association in raleigh uh there's the great uh um bluegrass band from italy called fine wine when we say it's international bluegrass music association it's it's not just for for Kentucky and North Carolina, <laughs> yeah. and are uh, so. New York has all these crazy bluegrass festivals. The Gibson brothers, who won Entertainer of the Year, they're from upstate New
0: York, you know. And and uh, I've, I've clogged more in New York than I have in North Carolina in the last yeah. ten years. <laughs> they, yeah, people
1: all over the country love it, you know. My yeah. dad, my dad's, and my mom. Uh, Met and got married out in Seattle. And there's a huge Western North Carolina um, population around Seattle, Cedro, Woolley, Darrington, um, Lyman, Concrete. And there's so many Tar Heels that went out there in the 50s and 60s to log. They were part of the logging. Oh, I see. Okay. And so when they went out there to work, they took the music with them same way that's how it got into detroit and that's how it got into michigan when they went to work in the auto uh factories mm. of ford and general motors they took bluegrass with them
0: you yeah, know that was and the manufacturing stuck. that was the manufacturing time of the united states and all these people yeah. from the appalachia went all over the place yeah stuck. uh yeah. If you the hillbilly elegies, it told you all about that that was cool yeah. so let's bring it back to closer to home so uh you uh, you guys have uh, participated in art festival here at Lake Junalusco. How did that come about? Well,
1: um, we've been doing a, a concert series at home for years, a winter concert series. Mm-hmm. And we started because we wanted to do something for charity, local charity. And we play a lot of uh, charitable events throughout the year. Um, we just wanted to do something to give back to the community. It's been so good to us. We wanted to provide music in the winter that was during a slow time, but also – create uh, um, to stimulate the economy, bring people in to, you know, buy meals, hotel rooms in the wintertime when it's generally slow. And uh, we did that for years and years. And it just got to a point where those shows were selling out and the same 300 people were, they would buy tickets in advance and we were just playing to the same 300 people every time, you know, and, and that's, that's fine. But, you know, if, if something's not growing, then it's dying. Mm-hmm. And so let's grow this thing. Let's do it in a bigger venue. Lake Junaluska was the perfect place for it. Lake, for people who don't know, Lake Junaluska is the World Methodist headquarters, but they've got this amazing venue that sits right on the lake in the heart of Western North Carolina. It's, mm-hmm. it's amazing. Yeah. And uh, they have lodging there. They do, uh, you know, they've got all kinds of uh, meals, uh, shuttles. They've got it's a perfect setup for a festival. And uh, it's indoors, so the weather can't wreck it. You know, festivals in the summer or any other time, you know, it could be rain, it could be yeah. whatever, you know, unless it just comes a major a blizzard, it, the weather can't wreck it and, uh, at Lake Junaluska. And, and it stimulates the economy and it does something good for Western North Carolina. And, and what generally is that like, what is it, December every year? The first weekend of December. We looked yeah, on yeah. the. We got with the tourism board, and the slowest economic weekend for tourism every year was the weekend after Thanksgiving. Yeah, it's pretty it's yeah. <laughs> after Thanksgiving, before Christmas, and so we're like, "Hey, let's do it then." And now it's one of the biggest ones of the whole year for the Haywood County. Cool.
0: So you do uh, a lot of things, like you said, besides Balsam Range. You got your own uh, band, Darren Nicholson Band. You uh, yeah. you do solo shows. But you also perform with your wife, Janitor, who is a super talented musician. Can you uh, tell us what you do with her? Well, Audie, Audie Blaylock's uh,
1: first cousin. I can't tell you everything I do with her. <laughs> but, uh, she's Audie Blaylock's
0: set first cousin. I
1: you up for that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you put it on a tee, I'm swinging.
0: There you uh,
1: go. <laughs> uh, she's an incredible musician. She's the vocal music director and director of choirs at Asheville High School in uh so she's actually an educated musician. She um, she teaches music theory, piano, um, incredible singer, and so we do we do shows like that. Something fun for us. We I don't know why we haven't done it in years past, but we just kind of started doing it for fun, and it's taken off, and people are wanting to see that duet. We do. It's totally different. We'll do sitting on the dock of the bay. We'll do Aretha Franklin tunes, and so. For someone who's known for playing bluegrass and mostly original music, people can come see me in a whole different, you know, I get to let my
0: hair down. And where's the next place you're going to play with her?
1: Oh, gosh. Uh, I'd have to look on the calendar, man, playing five or six nights a week. Go to DarrenNicholson.net.
0: Oh, there you go. Go to the website. There you go. Uh, So when we come back, let's talk about, uh, you know, the band camp and who's going to be involved in that and that sort of thing. Awesome. Howdy! This is Joseph Franklin McElroy back with the Gateway to the Smokies podcast, and my guest Darren Nicholson. So, Darren, uh, you were—I guess you—and uh, got together with Bob Plott and cooked up a uh, really fantastic uh, event uh, that they're—they're—it's were, were, sort of almost the inaugural event of the, the new Metalark Smoky Mountain Heritage Center, which can be at the Metalark Motel, um, and it's called the Darren Nicholson All-Star Bluegrass Camp, Band Camp and it's going to have an all-star concert. Can you tell us how you came up with that event? I think that was you that came up with it, right? Well, uh,
1: you know, Bob is another guy who supports a lot of great events in Western North Carolina and knows the culture here and the people. And um, I, I play a lot of shows around here. I play with the Dan Nicholson Band. play with Balsam Range. People can see me um, whenever, about whenever they want to, you know. Uh, so the idea, for going to do something um, at this at this new place, is to – how can we do something that's completely different? And one of the things that, that we've done at the Balsam Range Art and Music Festival that's been wildly popular is these workshops. And even for people who don't play, they like to come to them just to watch, just to find out, I think, more about the artist and be with the artist in an intimate setting so they can ask questions. I think a lot of people as fans – are just curious about the music sometimes or the musicians and, and whether they're actually in there wanting to study and learn an instrument. I think they're just fascinated and curious, you know, because when you buy a concert ticket, you, you know, there's kind of a wall there. That's a, that's as far as you're going to get, you're going to get right. to the seat and you're going to enjoy the show, but you don't really get to know the artist personally or ask questions or or this and that even about the music or how it got started or like you know what your influences are this or that or why do you play this certain style or why do you choose this instrument or you know or this pick or whatever and so it's just this is a way to get behind the curtain
0: a little bit you know and tell me uh, tell me about the all-star people that you've gotten involved here
1: well, we've got the great Audie Blaylock who's coming. A lot of people know his bluegrass history from playing with Jimmy Martin and Ronda Vincent, but he's and Michael Cleveland. He uh, he's just been a part of some of the most legendary bluegrass lineups of the last forty years. An uh, incredible singer and guitar player, and he doesn't play in this area very much, which is a really cool treat for if if you're going to get a ticket or see an event this is going to be a chance to see a rare bird uh, right here in Western North Carolina. Uh, Eric Ellis is going to be playing the five string banjo. And Eric is one of the greatest traditional bluegrass banjo players ever. He's like, he's like a Mark Pruitt or Steve Sutton at that level, you know, and he's a guy who he's another one of these Western North Carolinians. He's from around the Wilkesboro area and he's going to be traveling down uh, I don't get to pick with him very much just because of our schedules, but what an honor to get to play with that man. And, um, and then Reed Jones is going to be playing bass, great singer, songwriter. He plays in Audie's band. Um, if you like serious, no, um, no frills, like take the gloves off, serious bluegrass music, this will be the show to come to. I mean, and what are the workshops know. you are having? Yeah, they're doing the workshops. If you want to do a bass workshop, a banjo or band workshop. Um, we I like the band workshops, you know, how the, all the parts work together, you know. It's just like if you went to see a rock and roll band, why does the bass and the drums, why do they do this together? Why
0: do the, you know, how how does this work as a machine, you know? How to put it, how to put a, take a, the Raw song and put it together as a, yeah. as a, as a band song. Is that, it's just like
1: a baseball team. You can yeah. take, you can take nine amazing, talented players and they're not a very good team because they don't know how to play together. And you could take a nine, nine mediocre guys who know how to play together and they'll be the best. You can, you can, they know how to make a band, you know? It's, cool. it's a totally different mindset. Yeah.
0: And, and the and the concert, you guys are sort of going to be ad-libbing it as you go, right? Or do you have a? Did you put together some ideas? Gosh, no. <laughs> and, you know, I, I I want you know
1: for people who buy a ticket, when you buy a ticket, this is your experience. If you want a song, if you want to hear it, if we know it, we're going to do it. You know. Oh, so you're going to take requests, all right? Yeah. Cool. Well, I mean, if we know them, we do better yeah. on the ones we know. Obviously, we are not yeah. like, we probably won't do "Having My Baby" by Paul Anka.
0: You, know, <laughs> you we can't that
1: pull that off Rocky Top.
0: You can't do that as a as a as a, uh, as a, uh, as a bluegrass song. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't do that. Period. You yeah, know, I, I hear bluegrass. <laughs> I hear bluegrass covers. You know, they got uh, Snoop Dogg's uh, gin, "Gin and Juice" as a as oh, a bluegrass. Yeah. That's actually pretty good. <laughs> yeah, there's been a lot of crazy bluegrass. Walk like an Egyptian's one. Yeah. Of <laughs> Uh, so how do people find out more about you and how they follow you?
1: Um, I've got a Facebook page, Darren Nicholson Music and uh, Darren Nicholson Band. Of course, Balsam Range has uh, Twitter, Instagram. If you look up Darren Nicholson or Balsam Range and same way, BalsamRange.com is the band website. DarrenNicholson.net is uh, .com was already taken. I am not a NASCAR driver. <laughs> you could be, come on uh, I've got a hell of a lot of speeding tickets So I'm, I'm almost qualified NASCAR came out of uh, the mountains
0: of North Carolina, didn't it? Moon shining, baby Yeah Running shine,
1: yeah. running moon So you could have
0: chosen chose a couple paths Exactly yeah. All illegal Yeah So last <laughs> thing I know, you, I know you're a good fly fisherman Where's where's the best place to go fly fishing in, in Haywood County? In Haywood County,
1: I grew up in Jackson. That's where I grew up fishing. I go over there. Okay, I where's the best place there then? I love Caney Fork, and I love Tuckasegee, Tuckasegee okay. River. And uh, I got to brag on Jackson County. I'm um, playing there this Friday for my buddy Kelly, who does the concerts on the creek. But they also, in their big tourism thing, Jackson County is now the uh, – um, uh, trout capital of North Carolina. So, when you come to Haywood County and stay at the Meadowlark, you're only about 20 minutes away from the trout capital. If
0: you choose not to fish, in I, actually, I will, I, will, I will mention that Jackson and Haywood got to uh, got together, and I believe that they've made themselves together the trout capital. Oh, there oh, you go. Yeah, it, it, it's joint custody. It's joint custody. Yeah, they've got joint custody. Uh, or at least I'll say so because we have a trout farm. Bring your fly run. We got a, uh, in the back of the arch when you're there. We got a trout farm. We got a, yeah. a mountain here just trout stream. Uh, yeah. yeah,
1: fishing. Yeah, everywhere in western North Carolina. Bunkum. I mean, yeah. come on. This is this is it's trout country. It's
0: trout country. Well, thank you for being on our show. Uh, yeah, thank I, I'm you. Really I love your shirt. Funny. Oh, I love your shirt, dude. I love believe it man. or not, this is technically called plaid. It's it's camouflage plaid. <laughs> I was gonna say, you look like
1: you're about to invade Sherwin Williams.
0: Yeah, I know, right? It's I like, where can, I, where can I be camouflaged? <laughs> I love
1: that shirt. I really do like the shirt, man. I like that. Oh, thank you.
0: I'll send you one. All right. <laughs> so um, I got, I'm, I'm going to mention that we're on the talkradio.nyc network. Where there's a lot of interesting shows. I, I recommend you uh, listen to their the live podcasts every day, uh, and range in, in content from, you know, you know uh, self help to uh, travel, uh, shows. So it's got a lot of dynamic content. Everybody here is very serious about what they're doing after, um, after this show is, uh, is one on, on New York. So you can go from the mountains of North Carolina to New York City. Uh, find out places to go. Maybe end up on a skyscraper or the top of a mountain just by listening one evening. That's <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. You can find out more about this podcast at gateway to All right. Or you can go to Facebook.com slash gateway to the smokies podcast. Um, and uh, find out more about uh, what's happening uh, next week. We're going to have Neil Hutchinson here, which should be a very interesting uh, uh, podcast. Um, and I look forward to seeing you. It's every it's the same week, every day, every time from uh, from one. I mean, from um, six until seven on on Tuesdays. Uh, and uh, thank you for listening to Gateway to the Smokies. Bye, Darren. Thanks so much for having me. Really appreciate it. Sure day